0: Hi and welcome back to the Aspire PreMed podcast. I'm your host Dr. V and this week we have an exciting episode featuring the first interview of our podcast series. Today we have Dr. S with us who is a pediatric intensivist or a pediatric critical care specialist. She oversees the care of critically ill children primarily in an ICU setting. And I thought she'd be a great person to introduce you to because she's had an interesting path from her pre-med years to the present day. Before we begin with today's interview, I want to give you some background into a couple of things Dr. S. mentions when we speak. The first, when she describes her medical school experience, references a block-based curriculum. In general, med schools typically cover the same material as, as one another. They have to, basically because this is the foundation of knowledge that we all enter our careers with. And it's what we ultimately uh, use to take and pass our board exams. So the content itself is pretty standardized, but the approach some med schools take can differ. She described her block-based curriculum as something like an anatomy class encompassing all organ systems and a pathology class encompassing all organ systems and so on, as opposed to a systems-based curriculum, which is what I did, uh, that focuses on one organ system at a time. So we'd have a nephrology block followed by our musculoskeletal block and so on. The other thing that Dr. S. mentions is her time spent working as a pediatric hospitalist. Hospitalist medicine is very interesting. You know, um, back in the day, it was not uncommon to see pediatricians who worked in private practice admit their patients to the hospital when they needed inpatient care. And, uh... They would round on their patients in the morning in the hospital, make a plan with the nurse and the team there, before going to the office for their outpatient responsibilities. Now there are teams of pediatricians who work exclusively in the hospital, specializing in the unique world of inpatient pediatric care. Recently, there are now even fellowship programs um, where one can receive specialty training in this, and even a certification process you can go through. So if you enjoy general pediatrics but gravitate toward the unique challenges of hospital-based medicine, this may be a path to consider. Finally, in terms of what Dr. S. currently does, pediatric critical care, the path to this career most commonly involves four years of med school, three years of pediatric residency, and then another three years of pediatric critical care fellowship to specialize in ICU work. If you enjoy the prospect of taking care of medically complex patients, find human physiology interesting, are excited about the idea of collaborating with multiple specialties in a team-based approach, and are great at staying cool and thinking quickly on your feet, this may be a field to consider exploring. So without further ado, here's my interview with pediatric intensivist, Dr. S. Thank you for joining us, Dr. S. First of all, what was your pre-med experience like, and Looking back now from the perspective of an attending physician, is there anything you wished you knew as a pre-med or anything you would have done differently?
1: So, um, to answer that, I and I think you know, picking the major that excites you. Um, is, is really the way to go. So I, I was a neuroscience major thinking that I might go to graduate school for the neurosciences. And to this day, the, the brain fascinates me. And I really enjoyed the, um, the curriculum there. Uh, pre-med was essentially interwoven into the neuroscience uh, major. And so it wasn't really extra work. It was just you know part of the same program there. I don't know if I would have done anything differently or, or if, if any knowledge now as an attending physician would, would have helped guide me differently. I think I, I, can be, I, I can be confident in saying this, that you, you want to study what, what, you, what you like, what makes you get up in the morning and, uh, and go to that class and, and intrigues you. And, and if the pre-med is woven into that, like it is with a lot of the science majors, then that's fantastic. Uh, but whatever it is that you do, you, you have to want to wanna get up and go to that class and, and, and take that test and almost enjoy it like a puzzle.
0: I love that. Um, So many of our listeners are science majors. So many of our listeners are non-science majors. But that's, I think, exactly the secret there is uh, having that incentive to get excited and get up in the morning and go to that class. Moving a little bit more into the future, was medical school what you thought it would be? Why or why not? You know,
1: medical school, when I attended and where I attended, was a block curriculum. And uh, I know there's also systems-based curricula that exists out there, but mine was block-based. And no, the first two years was, oh my God, it was like finals all the time. Uh, it was like finals <laughs> week all the time. And it was a lot of content. Uh, and unfortunately, it was the volume was such that it even though it was intrinsically interesting to me, it was difficult to appreciate that because it was so back-to-back-to-back to back to back and so full. It was a lot. Yeah. And uh, I think that's when you, you enter medical school, you unfortunately lose a little bit of the awe because it's so, it's so packed.
0: It's funny, I think uh, we hit on this in a, in a prior episode, actually, about, I, I know me personally, I had to change a lot of my study habits to, to cater to that volume, you know, that it kind of was very, very different from the pre-med experience where it was still complex, it was still complicated in many ways, it was interesting, but it was just there was so much, so you had to rely on different things. Uh, mnemonic devices really helped get me through a lot of med school looking back. But I, I totally agree with you. It was it was uh, uh, definitely not something that I expected in terms of volume. It was a lot. And speaking generally, what is something that you needed to lean on to help you navigate your path to becoming a physician?
1: Having a study buddy uh, really helps. And uh, at that phase of my life, I I was together with somebody uh, and uh, a lot of studying and a lot of a lot of kind of thinking about life outside of studying. So having a study buddy. I think, I think does it or a study group. And, you know, you know, at the end of the second year, I believe um, there's the white coat ceremony where you're kind of anointed, you've, you've, you've kind of intaken this material, right. And then you're going to go off into the world and see patients. So I think kind of preserving, even though it can feel really um, heavy and all the material and volume and you're in the, in a room, you're studying, your brain is processing constantly. I think kind of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel of of maybe why you need to intake all this and kind of have that. Um, that support system network study group where you're going to you're going to conquer this material so to speak such that you can go off into the next phase and be a doctor.
0: I love it. I remember when I was a pre-med, I always like exclusively studied by myself. I never ever ever had a study buddy. So Dr. S and I actually we realized later on that we attended the same undergrad and um, we, we met many years later, you know, we, we actually uttered our first words to each other many, many years later when we were coincidentally both in the same fellowship uh, rotation in the cardiac ICU. She was going through a pediatric critical care fellowship and I was going through a cardiology fellowship and we met that way through that rotation. But we actually were in the same undergrad in the same pre-med program studying, we found out, in the same lounge, in the same like room. But neither of us actually processed that or interacted with, e- with, with each other. Because I think, I know for me personally, it felt like it was part of the culture. I felt like in that pre-med world, in the, in the college that we went to, for me, at least, it felt more like of an isolating experience. And then once I hit med school, it became a lot more collaborative. People wanted to study together, help each other out. And that sort of set the tone, I think, for everything professionally after that, which was cool. Um, it would have been nice if if we met. We actually uttered hello to each other yes. uh, during that time, but yes. but I always thought that was interesting. So okay, I understand, Doctor S, that you had uh, a global health experience. What was that like for you?
1: I had had an experience. I guess I should say fourth year of medical school when I went and participated in a rural health project in India, uh, where my family is from. And I was uh, not, you know, didn't have clinical acumen at that point because I was a, a fourth year medical student. I had, you know, obviously done some clinical rotations. Uh, all the clinical rotations, I should say, but uh, before you start off making your own decisions, practicing independently, it's a whole new, that's a whole new world. And even though you graduate medical school with an MD and they call you a doctor, um, you're, you're kind of not until um, <laughs> until at, the, at least to the end of residency, because, you know, making your own decisions, uh, calling your own shots and being kind of self-sufficient, self-reliant self, um, uh, and having, you know, someone's health Outcomes uh, depend on your decision-making is quite a, a task. And uh, so I, I wanted to see what my, I guess what my capabilities would be and if I could really kind of serve a purpose and help support an area with my medical expertise at that point as a third-year resident, having kind of gone through you know, um, most um, residencies, I would say, in pediatrics and medicine are inpatient focused. Um, it seems to be, you know, uh, the way. And so you kind of, I want to see what it would be like to practice um, without a lot of support now that I had finished my, my residency. And there was a uh, adult infectious diseases doctor who uh, was participating in Doctors for Global Health. He uh, wanted to have a pediatrician come along uh, with him. And, and so I did uh, go out there. And the idea was that I would kind of work with the uh, midwives um, on you neonatal know, resuscitation, wow. and uh, that was kind of the goal of the of the trip there. Um, and so I, I made up some materials on how to perform kind of initial resuscitation steps. Uh, it was kind of a hybrid between NRP, which is the neonatal resuscitation program put out by the American Heart Association, as well as Helping Babies Breathe, which is a, a WHO, I believe, effort to kind of help with, you know, initial uh, resuscitation steps in life uh, in in common kind of austere uh, environment, and maybe not with all the resources that we would have in the United States. Uh so, that was the goal of the trip, uh, is to kind of help educate. And, and then the, the other part of that was uh, kind of doing some inpatient pediatric care. Uh, and it was quite interesting. And it just humbled me to the fact that hospital care is necessary and important. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, primary care and uh, the preventing people from coming to the hospital is really where you would have the, the, the biggest impact. And I, I thought that was quite interesting.
0: Wow, that's awesome. It sounds like a definitely formative experience. We're gonna fast forward a little bit now to uh, life post-residency. What was your experience like as a hospitalist and what inspired you to pursue pediatric critical care?
1: Hospitalist was was actually a good fit for me. I, I at the end of the day, uh, as much as I respect and admire primary care in the United States, um, you know, developed world setting, it's satisfying uh, the m- almost minimal intervention that you need to exert in order to help kids get home. And I think that's yeah. always, continues to be satisfying for me. It's like, I get, I get to get you home, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. there's obviously a reason that you had to come to the hospital. So I did that for a couple years. It was, it was very interesting, um, kind of a hybrid between a community hospital and academic center. So we saw kind of bread and butter inpatient pediatric uh, cases, and then the tertiary care centers where we did uh, some time as well. And uh, a lot of time spent in a level two uh, nursery. So kind of, again, basic resuscitation of the newborn. And uh, that was it. Was all very interesting. But as I kind of did that for a couple of years, it occurred to me that I there there was something that I wanted to know in, in a little bit more detail. I guess physiology of the yeah. pediatric body, um, and uh, critical care to me seemed like a, a logical extension of just a little bit of a deeper understanding in that realm. And so I did hospitals for a couple of years, and then I went into pinky uh, fellowship.
0: So we're going to conclude here. I know there's so much more to say, but thank you, Dr. S, for sharing your experiences from your pre-med years all the way to the present day. To summarize, Dr. S spoke about the importance of embracing a college major you're passionate about. She shared how she benefited from collaborative studying with a study buddy in med school, noting that that helped her to stay focused on her goal of becoming a doctor. She shared her unique global health experiences that empowered her to grow as a physician And she walked us through what motivated her to specialize in pediatric critical care after dedicating some years to pediatric hospitalist medicine. I don't know about you, but I always found it inspiring to learn about the experiences of those who've taken the path that we wish to take. And I hope you found today's interview inspiring. If you're interested in pediatric critical care, I definitely encourage you to learn more about it. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to hit follow and share with a friend. I'll see you next week on the Aspire Pre-Med Podcast.